This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you by Pete Belan, Carbon Beverage Cafe, and Colorado Creative Industries. Turn around and face the car. I'll tell you what's going on. Driving across country, smoking wheels, listening to the What do you mean you think you have to arrest me? My grandfather, who was in a walker, picked me up and bailed me out of jail. Uh, Mr. Reinhardt, please turn around and put your hands behind your back. I think I might be getting arrested. This is the Tour Denver podcast. Tour Denver is a bi-monthly storytelling event produced by Amber Blaze and me, David Reinhardt. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. In addition to the three chosen raconteurs, audience members have an opportunity to sign up and tell their own stories. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. See the full schedule of upcoming raconteur events and listen to other episodes at raconteurdenver.com. This raconteur event took place on January 10th at the Ubi Sabubi Room under the Thin Man in Denver. Our topic this evening was arrested. Our raconteur this episode is David Reinhardt. As you may have noticed, David is the co-curator of Raconteur Denver. What you do not know is that David is also a musician in Denver, Colorado. He currently works as a pianist, guitarist, and vocalist in the band Chimney Choir. So I'm going to go way back to 2009. And uh, I've always been a kind of adventurous person. Not like really adventurous, but just kind of adventurous. In 2009, I found myself in a touring show. And I had bought uh, with the people I was in the show with um, a Ford Econoline diesel van. Gigantic white, no windows van uh, that we converted to run on vegetable oil. And so uh, that's pretty adventurous, right? So we tour around the country. We, we went uh, from coast to coast maybe seven or eight times and didn't pay a dime for gas, which was pretty cool. Uh, but I was in a duo, and we were a jazz, blues, folk, Americana, singer-songwriter duo. So not that adventurous. Uh, <laughs> So I'm uh, touring around the country uh, in a veggie van, and we, we'd been doing it for a couple of years, and it was strained at this point in time, and we decided to take a trip to New York. Uh, there was three of us in this duo, actually. Uh, there, was, there was myself, there was the star, and uh, there was Chris. And uh, Chris was, like, manager, uh, booking agent, promoter, graphic designer, web designer, mechanic, uh, roadie, and boyfriend of the star. So the three of us would uh, go all around the country together, and uh, relations between myself and the star at this point in time were somewhat strained, but... I always got along well with Chris. Uh, he was a great guy to travel with. He was a great guy to be in trouble with. 
Uh, so uh, at this point, we'd been doing it for a few years. We're, we're taking a trip to New York, and it was dismal. The gigs were soul-destroying. They were the kind of gigs that make you wish that you... They make you question why you ever play music in the first place, and New York has a ton of gigs like that. And we lost a lot of money, and we're broke, so we're heading back to Colorado, and we're completely just decimated... And uh, we get in, we're starting to run out of vegetable oil. So we we have to stop. We're going east on 80, and we pull into the amazingly unremarkable highway town of Warsaw, Indiana, a.k.a. orthopedic capital of the world. And uh, we have dinner first, and then we uh, proceed to engage in our ritual of refueling our van, which means going from restaurant to restaurant, going to the back, finding the dumpster, finding the grease bin next to the dumpster, and looking in it. And if it's not, if there aren't any uh, dead animals or trash, or if it's not too low and thick and dirty, uh, we can set up our pump system and pump vegetable oil into our 150-gallon tank in the back of our van. And uh, so we're going from restaurant to restaurant and doing this laborious thing, and we're finding nothing. And it's getting late. We find one that is, like, full of the most clean, beautiful, shining, divine uh, vegetable oil to fuel our van. But there's a sign on it that says... Removal of the contents of this container is illegal. So we don't want to do it. We let it go. We look at a few more places. It's getting to like get close to midnight. Uh, we're too broke to buy diesel or to stay in a hotel. So we just we cave in and we decide to steal vegetable oil. <laughs> so hard for me to admit that. But uh, we, uh, we pull around to the... It was like a Chinese uh, restaurant in a plaza. And we pull around to the back of the plaza. And we get out our pump and put one end of the grease bin and the other end into our van. And it's kind of a... It's loud. And it smells. And it takes like 45 minutes. So you just have to sit there for a long time. And uh, maybe a few drops got into our uh, tank before a cop came around the corner in the back and sees a windowless white van sitting behind a plaza at midnight. So he called for backup. But the initial guy that came back there uh, was actually mild-mannered and young and pleasant and nice. And he questioned us a little bit. But soon there is eight cop cars around us, and then they ask, can we search the van? And we say, oh, no, uh, we're, it's late. Jeez, what time is it? And we got to go, and we, uh, it's going to take forever to search the van. So uh, maybe not this time, guys. So they say, all right, fine. Counter offer. How about we have a dog sniff around the perimeter of your van? Okay. So then we're outside the van, and we're watching this German shepherd go around from the driver's side. I'm watching it come around towards uh, the passenger side of the van. So um, I don't know if you guys know how drug-sniffing dogs work, but uh, from very young age, when they're just puppies, they are given a toy, and it is heavily scented with marijuana. 
and uh, they play with this toy for a while and have a good time as a puppy, and then this toy is taken away from them. So this dog is sniffing around the van, and he gets to the passenger seat where I was sitting, and when he smells the tiny, tiny bit of weed that I have uh, under the seat, through a tin, through a bag, through the door, he's hit with this wave of nostalgia about what it was like to be a puppy and to run through the field with the sun warming his puppy fur. And he remembers what it was like to be wild and free. And he remembers his toy, his best friend. And he goes... But to the cop walking the dog, that means an affirmative. So I'm told we have an affirmative at the passenger side door of the van. Is there anything you'd like to tell us? So I step forward and I do the noble thing and I say, I have a little bit of marijuana. The others don't know about it. But I thought at the time, seriously, that this was going to be like a few hours at the station filling out paperwork and paying a fine that I didn't have anyway, which was a bummer. But when they said, uh, Mr. Reinhardt, please turn around and put your hands behind your back. We're going to handcuff you and take you to the station. I was pretty surprised. And I said, wow, it's just like that much. I didn't know it was this big of a deal. To which they responded, In some places, it's not that big of a deal. But here in Warsaw, it's a big deal. (laughs) So then I'm sitting on my hands in the back of a cop car, which is not very comfortable. And I'm listening to a country song playing on the radio, for real, about Home of the Free or something like that. (laughs) And at this point, the cops have every reason to search the van, which is a big deal because we have gear and merch and personal luggage, and it's not organized, and it's just all in a clump, and they've got to take everything out. So they, they also find a little one-hitter buried somewhere in this mess that we didn't even know was there, which um, Chris, the manager, uh, claimed for himself. So then the two of us were going down to the station. I'm driven down to the station by the officer who arrested us Uh, who found us initially, who was a nice guy, kind of my age. And he's driving me to the station, and he actually becomes kind of apologetic and apologizes to me for the whole situation. And I get the impression that this is a guy who probably knows people like me, and he didn't know that when he was, you know, calling for backup that it was some kind of, I don't know, aloof, uh, suburban, hippie, folk re-revivalists that were just kind of flomping around the country. He thought it was like some dangerous people, but now he realized that we were in trouble and uh, he felt really bad about it. Um, and uh, so we had a nice conversation on the way down to the, to the holding cell. And uh, so I get there and it was nice that I was with a friend and it was with this friend who was a good guy to be in trouble with. And the whole situation felt kind of light. Even the guys that were there uh, um, checking us in. Is that what you'd say? <laughs> like it's a hotel or something. But uh, even those guys were kind of like cracking jokes and the, the mood was kind of light in the police station that night. It was like three in the morning. We were all a little delirious too. So um, I put my stuff in the little bucket 
And, you know, there's a cop standing by the door, and he turns his eyes as I take my clothes off, and all my personal stuff goes in this little thing, and I put on this one-piece suit. I think there was even, like, feet in it. <laughs> so then uh, I go to take my mug shot, and it's so surreal for me because I never, like, break the rules. So I'm having my mug shot taken, and I couldn't help but, like, smirk a little bit. I don't know why. It was just, like, a funny... It was just a funny situation. Um, and we go to the, the cell, and there was a kind of concrete, everything's concrete, a concrete bench like all around. And we're given a blanket. My blanket was more like a bunch of holes that were loosely stitched together by a few threads and uh, curl up in my blanket on the floor. And I had a friend to be there with, so that helped a lot. And we, we kind of like just joked about it the whole night. And in the morning, he's bailed out first. Because uh, he was the star's boyfriend. And I had to sit there for a few more hours, but then I got bailed out. On my way out, uh, I have to check out with these two guys who did not look kindly on me either. Uh, and it was funny to be on the other end of this, uh, on the other side of this uh, perspective, because they actually treated me like I was like a heroin dealer, dealing heroin to children or something. It was like filthy. <laughs> and uh, I'm not a bad guy. Like, it's just weed. Like, what? And uh, they told me that. They, they really wanted to scare me. So they told me that the, the sentence I would probably get was $5,000 fine and or six months in jail. And I would have to come back to Indiana to go to my court date to get my sentence. And if I didn't, that uh, they would go to Colorado with a shotgun and find me. That was how I left the police station. Um, and so then we began to drive back across the country, and we were kind of miserable before this happened. And now both of our bail was uh, $500, so we're out $1,000. We didn't make money anyway. We were told that the prosecutor would get a hold of us in five days and tell us what our charges were. So we're just waiting to find out. How bad it's going to be. But either way, we got to go back to Indiana. But uh, we were going to go play the Paonia Harvest Festival, and that's always a good time. So we actually didn't even miss our gig, aside from spending the night in jail. And we get to, we get to the festival, and we stayed uh, in a yurt on Big B's Apple Orchard. So finally, when we're leaving town, the prosecutor calls, and I'm surprised to hear the voice of a young woman and she says, uh, and I quote, So, I see you've been arrested for possession of marijuana, blah, 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 and possession of paraphernalia, blah, blah, blah. And look, we don't want you coming all the way back to Indiana for this. So, if we don't hear about you getting picked up for any similar charges in the next six months, we're going to drop everything, clear the record, and send you your bail money back. So it just went away, just like that. And didn't cost me anything except a night uh, in a jail cell. But, and I didn't really leave a trace except for one thing, and it's that in, uh, somewhere in Warsaw, Indiana, in the police station, in a filing cabinet, there is a mugshot of me, and I'm smirking a little bit. Thank you.
thank you for listening to this episode of Racking Tour Denver. If you enjoyed these stories and live in Denver, join us at Spangalang Brewery on March 7th for our next Rack and Tour event with the topic of nicknames. Here's a reminder to head to rackandtourdenver.com where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, podcasts, and more. The music for this episode was created by Kevin Larkin. You can find more streaming on SoundCloud at Amateur Astronomy. And of course, we would like to thank our sponsors, Pete Bland, Carbon Beverage Cafe, and Colorado Creative Industries.